Please stand for a reading of God's word. A reading from the gospel according to Matthew. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the close of the age. The word of the Lord. All right, yeah, you guys have a seat. And let's pray together. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, we do pray that your name would be made famous in this world. Let that start here amongst us. God, we ask that your kingdom would come, that you would build it here in us and around us, use us for that end, and that your will would be done, God, that you would show us, reveal to us how we might do what pleases you, live in righteousness God, thank you for providing for us every day, our daily bread. Thank you for forgiving us our sins. Teach us, Lord, and lead us to forgive the sins of others as you have forgiven us. And God, we ask as a church that you would lead us away from temptation, away from the the bonds and the deceptions of the evil one who would try to distract, try to discourage, try to, or or just try to make our lives about something other than your glory, something other than your greatness, something other than your fame. So God, lead us not into those temptations, but deliver us from that evil in our hearts that would want to prop other things up above you. God, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, this past week, uh, a couple days ago actually, um, on Netflix, there's a documentary called 14 Peaks. Anybody seen this? 14 Peaks? No? Nobody? Um, go watch it. It's pretty interesting. It's pretty good. Uh, a little bit of language in it, but other than that, it's pretty, it's, it's, it's good. Um, but 14 Peaks is a documentary about um, a man named uh, Nims Perja. Nims Perja. And he and his team, he's a, he's a um, Nepalese climber, explorer, mountaineer from Nepal, Nepalese um, explorer. And the, the documentary is about him and his team that he kind of puts together of uh, some other Nepalese men um, who are Sherpas, climbers, mountaineers. Um, who are just great at climbing mountains. And the idea is that they wanted to climb all 14 of the world's largest peaks, all 14 of the peaks in the world that are above 8,000 meters. That's 26,000 feet or so. Um, so there, are eight, or there are 14 peaks in the world that are that high, okay? 26,000 feet, 8,000 meters and up. Um, and so his goal uh, was to climb all 14 of those, okay? Now, that's been done before. He's not actually the first person to do it. The first guy that did it, I think, back in the 70s or 80s, um, accomplished this feat. The first guy that did it, did it in 16 years. It took him 16 years to climb all 14 peaks. The, the world record up until this documentary was seven years. Somebody did it in seven years. They climbed all those 14 peaks, Mount Everest, K2, and then there's a bunch of ones I can't name. Um, this guy's goal was to climb them in seven months. 
seven months that he was going to take to climb 14 of the world's largest peaks. All these peaks are over kind of Middle East. Nepal is a bunch of them, China, Middle East, um, on over into Pakistan, things like that. So um, basically the Himalayas is where these peaks are. Um, and spoiler alert, he does do it. He and his team do it. They actually do it in six months. They climb all 14 of these peaks in six months. And it is just incredible. I, I would encourage you to go watch it. It's a pretty entertaining thing. But I will say, as I was watching this and thinking about this, because throughout the, throughout the documentary, this guy, will they'll kind of interview him a little bit, um, Nims Perja, and he'll, he'll talk about his passion for this and the reason he wanted to do this. And for him, it was just all about kind of proving the, 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 the amazing will of human beings, right, and proving that people can do anything, so to speak, right? He actually called it uh, Project Possible. That's what it was called because everybody told him it was impossible. Um, he called it Project Possible. That's sort of his goal, right, is just to prove, man, if you put your mind to something, you can do anything. And here's the thing. As I was watching that, honestly, at the end of it, I was sort of like, man, this dude climbed the 14 tallest mountains in the world. So what? You know what I mean? I, at the end of it, I was kind of like, that's pretty cool. And I'm not taking that away from him. Like, it's an awesome thing, and I can never do it. I mean, that's incredible. It doesn't even look fun, honestly. One of the guys was like, it's not fun. Like, you're literally dying. When you get above 8,000 meters, they literally call it the death zone. You are dying the entire time, okay? Like, your body is shutting down, so you have to do it, like, in a certain way. But, I mean, these guys are just nuts, man, and they're doing that. And at the end, I'm just like, that's cool, but so what? You know, when they get done, they're just done. Right? And yes, they climbed 14 mountains, and that's an incredible thing. But all the while, I'm thinking, and it's probably unfair to the documentary because I'm thinking about this message, and I'm thinking about God's glory as I'm watching this thing, just going, that is not what life is about. Climbing mountains, okay? And if you love to do that kind of stuff, you love to be adventurous, I do too. And that stuff's fun, and we can do those kind of things. But man, at the end of the day, to me, and I believe to God, you make a disciple. And you have done more than those men did, climbing 14 peaks. You go share the gospel with somebody. Let somebody know Jesus. You have done infinitely more, eternally more than those men did climbing those 14 peaks. And so my hope is, as we walk through these next three weeks of Missions Month here at East Ridge, uh, man, that that is just our mindset, that we understand why we were created in the first place, that you and I are made, and I read y'all Isaiah 26, 8, we are made for the glory and the renown of God in this world. And yeah, we can do all sorts of incredible things. You put your mind to something, you'll probably figure out how to do it, and that's great. But that's not what we're made for to show people what I can do, what you can do. We are made to show people who Jesus is, what he can do, and what he has done. I'm so glad that we've come out of Romans into this series personally. We weren't really thinking this way as we were planning this um, the, this, this year and these series. We weren't really thinking this way at first, but man, as we're sort of coming out of the first four chapters of Romans, did you guys enjoy those four chapters of Romans? Yeah? Um, man, I did, and I was so thankful, uh, man, just to see Jesus a little bit more clearly in, in the book of Romans. But now we're coming into this series going, all right, here, 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 here's what I see God doing here. If you love Jesus, if you've seen what he's done, if you were here last week and the week before as we talked about being made right with God through the blood of Jesus Christ, being saved by him and brought into relationship with him, then our mind and our goal and our heart should be, I want to take that message to the world. I want people to hear it. I want them to see it. I want them to see the goodness and the grace of Jesus in my life and through me. I want to tell them about him. I want to show them him through my actions. And I want to speak it with my words. I want everything that I do to be for his name 
and his renown forever. And so we're going to talk about that for the next uh, three weeks here. So um, if you have a Bible, open it up to Matthew 22. Um, Jenna read Matthew 28, and we're going to go there as well. But open up to Matthew, um, and we're going to go to Matthew 22, and we're going to start there. Today I just really want to lift up uh, really, really one main idea, that you and I are called to go and to love. We are called to go and to love. That's who we are as Christian people. Um, that is our command and that is our commission. So I'm going to look at two different passages here in Matthew. One we call the great commandment, and that's this first one, Matthew 22, uh, that we are called to go love. We are commanded to love. And the second one will be the great commission that we're called to, to go, all right? So the first point today is we are commanded to love. This is the ethic of Christianity, all right? The, the very center of who we are as a people and what we are called to do is to love. Jesus was asked this question. He was actually asked this question kind of frequently. The teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and those guys, they were always trying to kind of catch him in, in traps and try to ask him hard questions so that maybe he would say something dumb. They would hope and they would catch him in some sort of transgression of the law and they would have a right or a, an opportunity to accuse him of something or whatever, right? Um, but they never really could do that. And so in this one occasion, um, some of the Sadducees have been asking him all these hard questions about the resurrection because the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. Um, they were asking him these questions. Well, Jesus shut them down pretty quick. And so the Pharisees, who are just a different group of the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees started to go, okay, well, Jesus shut up the Sadducees. So let's us try to figure out if we can trip Jesus up a little bit. So verse 34, Matthew 22, it says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. So I mean, the arrogance of human beings, right? Oh, they, they, they couldn't trip him up, but we can because we're smarter than that, right? So um, the Pharisees got together. And one of them, an expert in the law, this guy, uh, you know, went to Mercer Law School, okay? This dude knows the law. He knows what it says. He knows how to, you know, enact it. He knows everything about the law. He's an expert in the law. And he comes and asks Jesus a question. He says he tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? That is a loaded question, all right? What is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So this guy asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? I'm an expert in the law. I want to know what you say, Jesus, rabbi, what is, teacher. What is your opinion here? What's the greatest commandment? It's a loaded question because there are between, kind of depending on how you would translate certain passages or like what laws are or whatever, but there are between 400 and 700 laws in the Old Testament, okay? Um, and, and probably even more than that really in the Jewish culture and community because they would even create extra laws on top of some of the biblical laws, um, kind of out of best practices in the way that they would perform things. But even, even that, let's just whittle it down to the 10, right? Let's whittle it down to the 10. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago that the 10 commandments really are the, um, you know, the sort of the center of Jewish law as we think about the law and obeying the law, those 10 commandments. Um, really the 10 commandments, you think of it like this for us, it's the Constitution. Okay, sort of the Constitution. So here are the Ten Commandments, just sort of an overview from Exodus 20, 1 through 17. Have no gods before God. Make no idols. Don't misuse God's name. Keep the Sabbath. Honor your parents. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Do not covet. So let's just leave those up there for just a second. So these are the sort of the ten center laws, okay? And then every other law, all the other hundreds of laws that we see in the Old Testament are really an application of or a ceremonial depiction of these laws, all right? This is the constitution for the Jewish people. These are the laws God gave to Moses as the ten in the middle, 
all right, upon which they would build the rest of their government and their community and right, and their, their religion would be based on these 10. And I want you to look at these for a second and just think, when Jesus answers the question, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. I want you to notice in these laws, look at the first four. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? See the first four? It's all about who? It's about God. It's about God. It's about how we see God. It's about how we worship God. It's about how we think about God's name and using God's name. It's about the Sabbath that he has given us to, to kind of sanctify and honor him. Like as a set a, day, set a day apart from every other day, right? So all those first four are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. What are the next six? Honor your parents. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Don't covet. That's about loving who? People. Love God. Love people. What is the command of the law? What is the central command of the law? Everybody say it together. What is it? Love. It's love, right? And so Jesus, when he's asked this question so brilliantly, he's able to just take their entire law, all these hundreds of laws, whittle it down to even these 10 laws, and even look at those 10 laws and go, you know what it's about? It's about love. It's about loving our Lord, our God, with everything that we So he, he kind of starts it there, right? Love the Lord your God. And he's really quoting from Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, right? That's the Shema. That's sort of something that the Jews would recite every single day, that this was their great commandment, the Shema, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, right? So Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy 6, and he's saying, now listen, when, when, when we're talking about love in the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. What is he saying? Love God with everything you have, all your capacities, at the very, at the very bottom of your life, at the very foundation of everything you do. Every action, every word, every thought, every idea, every goal, every plan in life should come from our love for God because he is God. We have no gods above him, before him. He is it. And so this is the first and greatest, he says, commandment. But then he says something interesting, right? And he says, and the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. In Matthew 7, 12, we, we kind of know the golden rule, right? Treat others as you would want them to treat you. Love your neighbor as you would love yourself. And this is just about the idea of the way that we think about other people out of our love for God, okay, because he's already said that one. Love for God, first and foremost, bottom of everything, foundation. And out of our love for God should naturally flow what? Our love for one another, our love for our neighbors, right? Jesus even answers that question one time. Who is my neighbor? He tells the story of the Good Samaritan, right? And the answer is anybody, anybody can be your neighbor. Anybody that you would choose to love, that is your neighbor, Right? Anybody that God calls you to treat well, to treat kindly, to love and to serve and to give to, that's your neighbor. Anybody in this world, whether they live actually next door or down the road or across the world, that person is your neighbor if you would choose to treat them in love. And so Jesus just whittles down the whole law into this one command, and it's love. The book of 1 John, if you want some more commentary on this, read 1 John. It's all about this. Love God, love people. And if you love God, listen, you will love people. That's why Jesus says it this way. Really, this is one command with two parts. It's love, and the two parts of that are love God as your foundation and love people out of that foundation. Love people out of the center of that love for God because if you love God, you will love people. The Apostle John makes this so clear in 1 John. If you don't, look at me, if you don't love people, 
You know what John says? You don't love God. You don't know God. Why? First John 4, 8, God is love. That's who he is. That's his nature. If he lives in us, then we will love people out of our love for him and our relationship with him. That's our great commandment. I love it, y'all, because it's so simple to understand. Any, any child can understand this one command. Jesus is brilliant. It's love God, love people. A child can get that. You guys can memorize that. Can you guys memorize love God, love people? Matthew 26, 36 through 40. You just memorized that whole section. Love God, love people. You memorized it. It's so simple. It's so brief. And yet it's so comprehensive, isn't it? Like there's nothing in life, no part of life that that command does not cover. How should I treat the person at work who just drives me bonkers? You know how you treat them? Love God, love people. How do I treat my children? Love God, love people. How do I treat my spouse? Love God, love people. How do I treat those in this church? How do I treat people in my growth group? Love God, love people. How do I treat my boss? Love God, love people. How do I treat my enemies? Love God, love people. There's nowhere, ever, anytime that this will not apply to your life in any relationship that you're in, any moment. Love God, and out of your love for the Lord, you love others whom he also created in his image. That's, that's why, Right? And we can love people out of our love for God. That's the great commandment, all right? So we are all called to love. That is, if you are a Christian person, that is the command that God gives to us. Now let's go over to Matthew 28, and this is what Jenna read for us, the great commission. So not only are we commanded to love, we are commissioned to go. So as Christian people, as we think about our ethic to go and to, to, to love people everywhere that we go, that we love God, we love people what's our commission then? Like, what, what is that going to kind of look like out in the world? So this is the Great Commission, Matthew 28. I'm just going to read verses 18 through 20. Jesus talking with his disciples right before he ascends back to the Father to be on his throne until he comes back, right? This is right before that, his last little statement on earth to his disciples. It says this, Then Jesus came to them, his disciples, kind of on this mountain, and it says, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. What did he command us? Love, right? Love God, love people. Teaching, but, the, but there's more under that, right? But it's all love God, love people, but teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Really the main command in this passage is to make disciples. That, that's kind of the main uh, sort of linchpin command in this passage that Jesus is telling his disciples to go make more disciples. But that word go, I think is interesting. And, and really we're calling this series go. And today I just want us to kind of have on their, our minds go and love, right? Go and love. So as we're thinking about go, I want us to understand how Jesus actually said this. Um, the, the, the tense, and this is kind of weird. I know I'm getting a little technical here, but the tense in the Greek, when Matthew wrote this down, okay, Matthew wrote what Jesus said down. The tense in the Greek is a weird tense it's called aortis tense. It's a tense that we don't exactly have in English, but the best way you could probably say this in English is having gone, okay? It's not just the word go. It's having gone. It's a phrase that would sort of imply what? You're always going. You're always going somewhere. So having gone, he says, make disciples. H having gone wherever you have gone, make disciples. Now, he just said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
So that means, is there anywhere that we can go? Is there anywhere that we will have gone that is not under the authority of Jesus? No. There's nowhere that we will have gone ever or will ever go that's not under the authority of Jesus. He starts with that. And then he says, now having gone, go make disciples. Right? So that having gone is just Jesus' way of saying you're always going to be going somewhere. You'll always stop wherever you just went and you'll think, where have I gone? Right? So when you go home, that's where you have gone. When you go to school, that's where you have gone. When you go to work, that's where you have gone. When you go overseas, that's where you have now gone. Right? Wherever you have gone, Jesus says, make disciples. The idea is, it's not just a somewhere, it's anywhere. It's everywhere. Where is the having gone? It's anywhere that you go. That's where you have gone. Do y'all get this? Have I said that enough? Is that really annoying? Okay, having gone, make disciples. The point is, this is a command to make disciples where? Wherever, right? That's the, that's the answer. Wherever you have gone. You've gone somewhere this week. You've gone somewhere today. Right now it's here, right? You're going to go somewhere later. You're going to go somewhere this week, the ne- next week. You're going to go somewhere this year. You're going to go somewhere in the next 10 years, many somewheres you're going to go. As we go, it should always be on our mind that there is a commission that we have been given, right? What is a commission? It's, it's a command, but it's also sort of an encouragement, right? It's like, man, I'm giving you, it's permission. It's a command permission, commission, right? It's go, but I'm giving you permission because it's my authority. Do you hear what he said? It's my, Jesus already said, I, I have it. I own it. You know where you're going? I own it. You know where you're going to go tomorrow? I own it. You know those people you're going to talk to later? I own them too. Because I made them, because I loved them, because I died for them. I have been given, Jesus said, all authority. And so you have permission to play. You have permission to go. You have permission to make disciples wherever you go. You know in Acts 16, Paul's traveling around and he, Jesus meets Paul in a vision and says, hey, go into the city and keep speaking my name. You know why? Because I have a lot of people here. They just don't know it yet right? That's the way we should be thinking about life, that there's the people of Jesus everywhere around us. They just might not know it yet, but we have permission to go to them. We have permission to share it with them. And then we remind ourselves about what the great commandment is. How do we go to them? How do we make disciples? How do we teach them to obey everything the Lord has commanded us? How do we baptize them in the name of the Father? We do it in love out of our love for God and our love for them, understanding that we live in a world that is, listen, dying. Y'all know that's true, right? The world around us is just dying every day, physically and spiritually, mentally, emotionally, intellectually. It's just chaos and destruction, deception all around us. And so if our heart is to love God and love people, then we will take seriously the commission that he's given us to then go wherever we go and make disciples. So he says make disciples, and he kind of gives us little parts under that, teaching them, right? Teaching them and baptizing them. I mean, sharing the gospel with people, right? That's a hard part of this sometimes, isn't it? Just sharing, telling people about Jesus so that they may come to faith, and we will baptize them in the name of Christ, and then teaching them, help like walking beside them. Teaching involves like constant ongoing relationship, doesn't it? It's not just about telling people something one time. It's not just about meeting a need every now and then. It's about doing life alongside of people, isn't it? teaching them. This is like ongoing action to follow Jesus. Everything, he says, everything I have commanded you. And he says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I love that Jesus ends that little 
that little paragraph there with that sentence. I am with you always to the very end of the age. Because it's, it's kind of just Jesus' way of saying, listen, you want to experience me? Th- Jesus talking, right? You want to experience me? You want to know me? You want to know my presence? You want to know my power? You want to know what I can do? Go make disciples. There is no way that you will experience Jesus on a deeper level than if you give your life to that, to go share Christ with people, tell them about Jesus, make disciples, teach them to walk with him out of love for God and love for them. So that's our, that's our, kinda, our call as Christian people. Those two parts from today, we are called to go in love for the glory of God. Right, we kind of started our service off that way today, um, that we are called to go in love. Why? For the glory of God, y'all. And I just want to remind us here as we kind of wrap up in a second that this is not about us just going and doing things. This, this missions month is not about us as a church just having an idea about, yeah, I'm just going to think of something to do for God and go do it, right? Or I'm just going to think of something, come up with a good plan on my own and kind of just go and figure it out on my own. This is about something deeper. It's about something bigger than that. Here's what Habakkuk, you got to love a Sunday where we have a verse in Habakkuk, okay? Um, Habakkuk 2, 14 says this. This is kind of the end goal for God. He says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is the end goal for God. Okay, back to Isaiah 26, 8. What is our goal, God? That your name and your renown are the desire of our souls, that we want you to be known in this world. When Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and go to love your neighbor as yourself, what does that imply? It means that as we love people this way, that they will see our love for God, and they'll see the greatness of God through that. Again, how does Jesus begin the Great Commission? All authority is mine. And so as you go, as you love, as you make disciples in all that we do, what are people going to be reminded of? What are they going to see in us? They're going to see that Jesus is the one that we are serving, that Jesus is the one that we are glory. It's about him, y'all. It's not about us. It's not about East Trish. It's not about your name, my name, anybody else. It is about the greatness and the glory of our Lord Jesus in this world. The fundamental issue with our entire culture, y'all, is that those people out there that don't know Jesus, they don't give glory to Jesus. That's the fundamental issue. There's people out there who aren't glorifying him. So let's take his glory out into the world and live our lives according to his love and our love for others to make disciples and share the gospel and serve needs and, 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 and give to those who need, right, to serve the last, the lost, and the least, as Jesus said. And we do it not for our names, we do it for his. That is the point, always. That's why we're doing Missions Month. That's it. Um, Not so that Eastridge would be made famous, but so that Jesus would be made famous. Over the next couple weeks, um, you guys are going to see a couple videos that we're going to show of local and foreign missionaries that we support. Um, So next week, we're going to talk a lot more about local missions here at Eastridge and what that looks like for us. And then the week after that, we're going to talk more about non-local missions, global missions, um, and what that looks like. And you're going to see some videos. There's also, like I said, out in the atrium, there's going to be people here um, just sharing with you guys. Right now, there are people out there just sharing with y'all ways that you can get involved right now today. 
Ways that you can leave this place and go out into our community and, and start to get involved and to meet needs and to show people the love of Christ. And we just want to lift those things up. We want to lift those things up. And um, throughout these three weeks, there's something else that we're going to do. We're going to offer an opportunity for all of us to be a little bit more sacrificial in our lives and to give to the kingdom of God. Now, we give every single Sunday here, and in uh, just a few minutes, we'll, we'll take up our normal offering. But we're also going to take up an additional offering for these three weeks, two offerings every week, I know, um, an additional offering. And that's the, the buckets you guys see out there and the QR codes that are around. And those will go directly to our missionaries, okay? I won't see a penny of that. Nobody here will see a penny of that. It'll go directly to our missionaries that we support. And as we lift them up the next couple of weeks, I just want to encourage you to do this with me, to pray to pray and to ask God, God, how can I leverage my life to love you and love others and be missionally minded to go and make disciples or to help fund those who are currently going and making disciples in this world? In, in, in essence, here's the question I want us to be asking. God, how do you want to glorify yourself and do your will through me and through this church? I started, and I don't know if you noticed, but as I started this message, I prayed the Lord's Prayer. I prayed it in a little bit different words, but what Jesus gave us to pray. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how it begins. Matthew 6, 9 and 10. So here's what I want to do as we end our service today. I want us to pray together. And I want us to pray really this prayer with a, with a heart that is praying this we're going to have a song that plays. Um, it's, an, it's a little bit older song. It's just going to be playing, okay? Um, and this song is called, I think it's called we Must, we Must Go. And you'll maybe recognize it, but um, it's just a song about going and being the hands and feet of Jesus. So as this song plays, I'm offering us a time to pray together as a church. Let's be a church that prays. Let's be a church that prays this. And let's just maybe leave that slide up there. Um, and let's ask God. How can your name be made great in my life? Hallowed be your name. I want that to happen. I want you through me and through this church to make your name look awesome. God, I want your kingdom to come. I want you to step into this community through us and let the gospel go forth and let people come to know Jesus. Let's pray. Can we do this boldly? Can we pray for revival in this church? And can we pray for awakening in our community? You know those two things go hand in hand. Revival is when the Christian people go, okay, I'll go love. And awakening is when the watching world who doesn't know Jesus starts to come to know him because of revival in the church. Does that make sense? Can we pray for that? God, we want your kingdom to come. We want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Perfectly your will to be done. Perfectly through us. God, let us do what you want us to do. Let us get uncomfortable let us be okay sacrificing and giving and laying down what we need to lay down, our pride and our comfort and our time and our resources and our very selves to give to you and to give to this world so that other people would see your greatness and your glory through us. Yes, individually, as families and as a church. So that's our prayer today. And that's where I want to start this series today. Like I said, the next two weeks, we'll get a little bit more specific about local and global missions. But I'm asking us as a church to make this our prayer. God, let your name be made great here in and amongst us and through us.
how can I personally be part of that? I'm asking God that, okay? So we're gonna let a song play. While we do that, I'm gonna ask you guys to be praying. Um, The altar is open. Come on down and let's kneel at the altar if you wanna do that and let's pray together as a church. You can stay at your chair. You can pray out loud. You can pray quietly. You can pray as a family. I'm not gonna tell you what to do or how to do it. I want the spirit to lead us in this time um, just to be a church willing to pray. A dangerous prayer that God's will would be done because that's gonna require of us some, some action. So let me pray over us, and then, um, yeah, let's move and pray together. God, we love you, and we thank you that you loved us first. <laughs> we, 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 it's not about us loving you first. It's about the fact that you loved us first. You made us. You gave your son for us. You have paid the price for us. You have called us into your kingdom filled us with your Holy Spirit so that the words that um, I've spoken from your word today, they're not my words, they're your words, God, but those words would ring in our hearts because your spirit lives in us to wield now, wield the sword of the, the word that has been spoken. And God, I pray that as the spirit works in us in this moment that you would just stir in us. Let us see where we're, un- let us see where we're currently comfortable. Let us see where we're currently not uh, giving of ourselves, giving of our, ti- uh, our time or giving of our resources or whatever it looks like. God, let us see where we're holding back from you. Let us see what opportunities we have and let us be willing to go and to love. God, I pray that it would never be said of us that we are a church that, yeah, you know what, we're, we're an imperfect church. We're a church that is not gonna get everything right, but I pray that it would never be said that we're a church that doesn't love and doesn't go. God, we just wanna, we wanna be where you are. So lead us now. Lead us into prayer right now for these next five minutes. I pray that these people would pray an honest prayer in their own hearts and minds, asking for your will to be done. In Jesus' name, amen. There are many, um, many, many passages in the Old Testament through the prophets especially. That song is really written from Micah 6. Eight, um, that God requires of us to um, act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly before our God. The prophet Amos, um, there's a passage in Amos where he says, you know what, God, God talking to the people of God, and he says, um, you know what, stop singing, go do justice out in the world. His point is, I'm glad that you guys sing to me, but sometimes we get so caught up just doing the thing here that we forget there's a big world out there. There's a lot of people out there that need us to show them the goodness and the mercy and the grace and the justice and the truth of Jesus. Um, Yeah, man, I pray that we're always a church that loves to gather and loves to sing and loves to read the word and loves to lift up all of of this together as, as a church. But I pray that we're a church that knows that this right here it's just one small part of what it means to be the church. We need to do this, and we're going to keep doing this, but there's six days that we have to do that stuff. So let's go. Let's go love. Let's go share the gospel. Um, next week, like I said, we're going to talk about local missions, and you're going to be probably, I, I think you're going to be encouraged. I think you may be a little shocked um, to know of some of the opportunities we have right here in this town to start going and actually making a difference. Um, 
we have more than twice the number of homeless people for an average county our size in this country. Right now in this county, more than twice the average number of homeless. Um, we have people all around us, and not just, not just them, but so many other opportunities that we have um, to serve, to serve young adults and college students here in this community, um, to serve um, mothers who need help when they get pregnant and don't know what to do um, in this community. We partner with mission organizations here and then around the world um, in India and in Mexico and Honduras, um, Georgia Southern and the, the university missions that Brittany and Josh Jones are doing. You're going to be hearing about these things and um, we're just going to continue to challenge y'all and kind of lift up the idea that, man, we are the people that God has put on this earth to bring others to know Jesus through the way that we go and we love. All right? Um, so I'm going to be real clear about what we're about to do, all right? So we're going to take up our offering. I um, mean, we do this every Sunday, y'all, uh, that we take up offering. This is our just normal tithes and offering time, okay? Um, every week for the next three, we're going to do this. We're going to take up two different offerings. Really, we're going to collect one, and then we're going to ask you guys um, just to be aware and to give to the other. So this is our normal offering time um, where the baskets will come around. You can also give online. You can give through the app. And I want to encourage y'all, Christians, church, listen, give as you always give, okay? Give to the church because that needs to happen. We, we must, I give to this church too, okay? We all should be giving so that ministry can happen here at this church. Um, and we're so grateful. We are so grateful that y'all do that. Y'all are a generous church. Um, and so as these baskets come around, this is your opportunity to drop your Connect card in there. If you haven't done that, go ahead and you know, fill out your Connect card. Put a prayer request on there. Let us know how we can serve you. Um, so do that. You can drop your Connect card in. You can drop your tithes and your offerings, kind of that you regularly give in these baskets, okay? Or, or online. So I'm going to pray for this time, and we're going to do that together, okay? And then when that is done, I'm going to send us out of here, and I'm going to challenge us to give again. Um, and that's going to go directly to our missions. Maybe, maybe it's going to sting a little bit. Maybe you're even thinking, I don't know if I can. And maybe this week you need to pause it and be thinking about it for the next two weeks. God, what can I give? What can I give? We as a church have um, agreed and uh, kind of made a commitment to give $100,000 to missions every year, $100,000. What if over the next three weeks between us and the other campus, we get all that money put in these buckets and online that we get all that money that we can just send out to our missionaries and not have to worry about the rest of the year and maybe even give them more. I'm just saying God can do incredible things. So that's our, that's our hope and our prayer and our goal. Okay, so this is our normal tithe and offering time. I'm going to pray for it. The baskets will come around. All right, Lord, thank you so much for loving us and, and giving more to us than we could ever imagine, God. Um, it is arrogant of us to think that we give to you more than you give to us. Um, but you do ask us and call us and command us to give because we want to be generous people. We want to give cheerfully and we want your kingdom to be built. So, Lord, I pray that you would um, take these tithes and these offerings that we give and we give these weekly um, just to continue to help us do the ministry we do here at Eastridge for your glory, for the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.